Hi, this is Pastor Emily McGinley from Urban Village Church, Hyde Park, Woodlawn. If you've been to UVC, you'll know that we seek to be three things, bold, inclusive, and relevant. We know that there are countless folks across the country and out there in podcast land like yourself, seeking a message that will bring insight, hope, encouragement, and joy as we do this thing called faith. Please consider making a financial gift to help us with this work of inspiring, equipping, and sending out agents of gospel life and inclusive love. Just go to www.urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks for listening, and God bless. Our passage for today comes from Acts chapter 1, verses 12 through 17, and 20 through chapter 2, verse 4. Listen to what God is saying to you. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath, Sabbath day's journey away. When they entered the city, they went to the upstairs room where they were staying. Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, Alphaeus' son, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, James's son, all were united in their devotion to prayer along with some of the women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. During this time, the family of believers was a company of about 120 persons. Peter stood among them and said, Brothers and sisters, the scripture that the Holy Spirit announced beforehand through David had to be fulfilled. This was a scripture concerning Judas, who became a guide for those who arrested Jesus. This happened even though he was one of us and received a share of this ministry. It is written in the Psalm scroll, let his home become deserted, let there be no one living in it, and give his position of leadership to another. Therefore, we must select one of those who have accompanied us through the whole time the Lord Jesus lived among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day Jesus was taken from us. This person must be come along with us witnesses, to, a witness to his resurrection. Say so nominated to Joseph called Barsabbas, who is also known as Justice and Matthias. They prayed, Lord, you know everyone's deepest thoughts and desires. Show us clearly which of you which one you have chosen from among these two to take the place of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned away to go his own path. When they cast lots, the lot fell on Matthias. He was addressed, he was added to the 11 apostles. When Pentecost day arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound from heaven, like the howling of a fierce wind filled the entire house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be individual flames of fire alighting on each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them to speak. May God add a blessing and hearing. May God add a blessing to the hearing and living out of the scripture. Good morning, Urban Village Church. My name is Emily McKinley, and I have the great joy of serving as a pastor here um, in ministry alongside many of the folks that you have already seen up front, um, sharing of their gifts, but many people who often um, you don't see up front who help us be what we do and be who we are and do what we do, um, from AV to greeting to food um, and many more things. So it is not just me up here alone. My uh, preferred pronouns are she and her, um, and I'm just grateful to be able to begin this new year in faith with you. Let's start with prayer. 
God, we are grateful for the gift that it is to come together at the top of a new year, an opportunity to reflect and think about where we have been and um, dream about where we might go. And so we pray that as we lean into your scripture today to um, see what it is that you might have to say to us, open our ears and um, our hearts and our minds to receive that word, whatever it might be. Speak through me in spite of me and help us all to leave this place with our cups a little bit fuller than they were when we arrived. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Earlier this week, I heard an interview um, on the podcast Death, Sex, and Money with a nun named Josephine Garrett. Now, Josephine had grown up um, very involved in the church. She attended with her family three days a week, and she went away to college, and when she returned from college, she stopped going to church. She got a job as a teller with Bank of America and quickly rose in rank to eventually become a vice president. She oversaw hundreds of employees in the Dallas area. She loved what she did. She was really good at it. She felt very satisfied with all the ways that she was accomplishing goals and living life um, as a career woman. She had independence. She had money. She filled her time with work, her dog, uh, her friends, smoking cigarettes, and watching her favorite shows on Netflix. And in spite of the fullness of her life, as she looks back, she realized that she was slowly sinking into a depression. Something was missing. So she started to take ownership for her spiritual life for where she was in her searching, the kind of focus on production and entertainment and the churches that she had been part of were just not what she needed. And so she found herself then drawn to the Catholic tradition, the silence and the emphasis on Jesus's presence in the sacraments rather, rather than how well the preacher preached or how well the choir sang. It gave her a sense of depth and anchoring. So she decided to convert. She started taking classes and becoming more educated and eventually made her first con um, confession. Can you imagine making a confession for the first 24 years of your life? <laughs> she made a list. She said not everyone does, but she made a list. And at the end of that confession, a uh, long time with the priest conversation, um, he said at the end of it, you are the daughter of God, and your heart will be restless until you find rest in God. It was actually a quote from St. Augustine. And it hit her really deeply and motivated her to continue leaning into practicing this new way of life or new way of faith for her. For a time, not much else changed. Did she make the right decision? She didn't really know, but she was responding as faithfully as she knew how. Was it disappointing that that conversion wasn't enough? Like, what was it like to realize that didn't feel like enough? I can't, and that's the thing, I don't, because like I converted, and then I did what I could do at that time, which was go to Mass every Sunday. That's what I could do at that time. And if I committed serious sins, I went to confession. And so it wasn't like, it, it wasn't enough. It was like, at that time, it was what I could do. And then when it was time to do more, I did more. Um, and I think you and your question, Anna, says a lot about what we struggle with. You know, we hate to be on the journey, you know, and I think that's why people have problems with God. Mm. We want everything fixed now. And becoming Catholic wasn't going to put a bow on my life, you know, and say, sealed, done, check. It was a step in the journey. Have you ever felt stuck? Have you ever looked around at your life and wondered, is this it? Is this all there is? 
Maybe you've been in that space where Sister Josephine was earlier on, a kind of dissatisfying and unendless, a dissatisfying and endless grind of work, friends, binge watching shows and smoking cigarettes or drinking or eating or shopping, whatever numbing habit it is that you use. Wash, rinse, repeat. Maybe you're like where Josephine was a little later, having made some intentional changes to those rhythms, giving them greater focus and kind of settling into a better cadence, comfortable in the journey. Or maybe you found yourself surprised by a new possibility that never occurred to you, like what happened later on for Sister Josephine. Still took Sister Josephine by surprise. She was volunteering at a retreat for some Catholic kids one Saturday. The kids were on a break and praying and I started to thank God. I was like, you know, just thank you, God, for me choosing to give me the graces to choose to be chaperoning youth on a Saturday, you know, instead of being with my friends or smoking my cigarettes. And then I thought it would be so cool to be a sister and like minister in the church. And my eyes popped open and I felt shocked by the thought. Like I had like a who said that kind of moment. Um, and right then, a sister walked by me. Like, she just walked right in front of me. A woman wearing a habit who was visibly a sister walked right in front of you as you had that walked thought. Walked right in front of me. Mm -hmm. um, and from that moment on, I couldn't stop thinking about sisters. What do they do? What are they like? What's that like? It flooded into my mind, and I was overwhelmed. Coming up. So how do you know when God is speaking to you? And even if you sense that maybe God is saying something to you, that maybe something needs to change or you need to move in a on a certain decision in a particular way, how do you even begin to position yourself for something like that to happen? For Sister Josephine, it was a slow but sure process of journeying faithfully, which meant not only putting one foot in front of the other, but also taking on practices that began to sort of open her up, that disrupted and activated her spirit in new ways. Practices that positioned her to better receive direction from God when it was ready to come. Well, in a way, this is what the disciples are trying to do in our passage for today. Position themselves to receive direction from God. Now, at this point in, her, in their story, Jesus has died and ascended into heaven, but other than a kind of like, hang on, my buddy, the Holy Spirit is on the way, they really had no sense of what was going to come next or what to do. So they head back to Jerusalem, and they're sort of just like hanging out together, praying, maybe checking their sundials to see how much time has passed, flipping through their Instagram feeds, and just sort of killing time until this Holy Spirit, who, by the way, seems very unbothered by their botheredness, shows up whenever clearly operating on Holy Spirit time. <laughs> all of us, all of us are faced with dozens, if not hundreds of decisions every week, sometimes every day, right, and that impact our lives. And there are times when we run into moments that might feel as weighty and uncertain um, as the ones that disciples felt at that time. How do we navigate then? How do we navigate those times in our lives? Times when we have to figure out how to move forward but aren't quite sure where to put our first footstep. Well, throughout this month, we are talking about making decisions, why they're hard, how to do it, and, and the ways that God is calling us, is, or the ways that God is with us in the midst of that decision making. In Jesus, or in Christianity, the whole process is called discernment. As Sister Josephine moved, throughout her, moved through her life, whether she realized it um, at the time or not, she was engage, starting to engage practices of discernment, asking questions like, where am I going? 
why am I here? At one point early on in um, the interview, she says, I don't know if God made man for the Netflix binge, right? What is my next most faithful step? The disciples show us several different resources that we can draw from to guide our decision-making. First, they gathered in community, perhaps to encourage each other, to think through possible next steps, to weigh the pros and cons of their circumstances. The point is that they, it, this wasn't something that they did alone, right? They also prayed together, lifting up their anxieties, their questions, and their doubts, all in the name of Jesus, the one who had walked with them and helped them to move through those anxieties and questions and doubts. Prayer was essential to the life of Jesus' faith and to the life of the disciples' faith. They consulted scripture, which inspired Peter toward the idea to replace Judas. But it wasn't just scripture that inspired Peter, it was also his tradition. Since Jesus had called Peter the rock on which the church would be built, surely he felt the weight of his role, from, and so he began to feel like, I need to take leadership in some way, right? So he drew from the logic of his upbringing. As Jews, the number 12 had a special significance, since that was the number of tribes in Israel. And with Judas gone, that left about 11 people in the inner circle, which maybe felt incomplete to him. Now, whether any of this mattered at all, actually, to what God was planning to do through them is another conversation. But in that moment, Peter was drawing also from tradition and reason. Sister Josephine also used reason. When she talks about the church tradition she came from, she knew that it wasn't going to be the right space that would help her to feel anchored for where she was in her journey. And so then this actually led her to a completely different tradition. Sometimes tradition draws you toward itself, and perhaps other times it clarifies us to move in a different direction. I'm sure you can think of one or two church traditions that have not been all that helpful for the upbuilding of people's spiritual well-being. The last resource that the disciples were guided by um, was also a guide for Sister Josephine, chance. Sounds a little funny, right? But for Josephine, it was that moment when her eyes opened and she saw that nun walk by right after she had that thought, right? A chance moment that just felt way too coincidental to not have meaning. It felt like affirmation for her. For the disciples, it was casting lots, kind of like throwing some dice, to decide between Joseph and Matthias. And it wasn't so much that the disciples were feeling lucky or they didn't care, but I think this was a reflection of the fact that you can do all the thinking that there is to think. You can make all the lists of pros and cons, follow all the do's and don'ts. You can consult and read and commiserate and conjecture. But even for the most intelligent, thoughtful, and insightful among us, for some decisions, there is simply a gap in our understanding. And when we have exhausted all of our resources, sometimes chance is all that's left. Now, I'm not necessarily advocating, uh, uh, like, asking a question, closing your eyes, opening your Bible, and then laying down your finger like your Bible is a magic eight ball. I'm saying this because I have done this, and I'm pretty sure some of you have too. <laughs> I'm just saying that signs and circumstances do figure in to the math of faith as well, right? But your Bible is not a magic eight ball. There are sometimes some things that are simply a mystery and beyond our complete comprehension when it comes to making our best, most faithful next step. And even though not all that much has changed over the last 2,000 years in terms of the resources at our disposal when it comes to that, to some extent, there is one resource that we have access to that those disciples huddled in an upper room hadn't yet been given, the Holy Spirit. 
known as Ruach Hagodesh in Hebrew or Sophia or Numa in Greek. The language used about the Holy Spirit is distinctly feminine, which is actually not all that important for our focus today, but considering how the, hi the history of how God ha uh, has been gendered male in the Christian tradition, it's worth mentioning, right? So there are lots of words that help uh, people to that people have used to describe um, the Holy Spirit. Comforter, advocate, friend, breath, wisdom, intercessor, and you can find these images um, and references for God's spirit throughout the Bible. She moves, as you two put it, in mysterious ways. With powerful winds and flaming fires like we see in our passage today, as well as in ways that we can't see in the moment, but recognize later on when we look back. Regardless of how she shows up, it is helped by these practices I just talked about, right? Gathering in community, like we're doing here today, this morning. Praying together, reading scripture, recalling our tradition, engaging reason, and opening ourselves to what the moment reveals to us through chance. And getting to know the Spirit, getting to know her, listen and to lean into her voice, opening ourselves to the Spirit's guidance, that's how we take on a spiritual uh, posture. That's how we cultivate, begin to cultivate a lifetime practice of discernment. And this cultivation is key if we want to move forward in and, and if we want to move forward in our lives and, and make decisions with courage and faith, because there are lots of things that get in the way of discernment, right? Anything from our own interests and desires to the fear of how others will receive our decisions. We can become paralyzed by our choices, afraid of making the wrong choice. And if you were with us last month when we were talking about um, anti-racism and our transforming values, might, you might recognize that this is actually a way that we can get trapped into either or thinking. This mindset often leaves us feeling like our options are limited, right? Like there's only one right answer. But God's activity has always been so much more abundant than that. Now, there was a study um, a few years ago done by the Harvard Business School um, where they researched how people responded to a problem when they were asked, what could I do versus what should I do? And they found that when people reflected on what they could do in a situation, they were much more creative in their solutions than if they were thought in terms of should. Could is about inspiration. A painter who thinks in terms of should sees on their palette red, yellow, and blue. But a painter who thinks in could sees that red and blue make purple, that yellow and blue make green, that the options and possibilities are exponential. In many ways, I think this is really similar to the way that God invites us into relationship. God invites us to be partners in creation, to be artists with God, not robots. And this means that we have creative input, that there are multiple solutions to any given problem or question that we're facing. But taking on a could mindset with faithfulness means that we have to set ourselves up to be people who listen closely for that inspiration from the Spirit. And so, as um, Kate mentioned earlier, over these next few weeks, you are invited to take on practices that will help you to listen a little more closely to the voice of the Spirit. They're not like a prescriptive sense, so if you start into it and you're like, nothing's showing up, 
Like, this, this is faulty, right? Like, that's, that's totally not the spirit of what this is about, right? This is about openness. Remember Holy Spirit time, right? Like, this is about openness and, and listening in a little more closely. So beginning tomorrow, if you're in our database, you will receive the first of a monthly, um, of a month's worth of a series of discernment emails. Now, don't worry. Um, it's an opt-in after that. So if you're like, I don't want all those emails, that's fine, right? So, but these emails will have a very short daily message um, and a question for you to reflect on. Um, you'll have the option, like I said, to opt in to the email, and if you don't opt in, then you're not on the list, right? Um, if you don't, uh, and you won't receive it again. And if we don't have your information, if this is your first time here, um, or you just have never given us your information, you can sign up um, at bit.ly bit.ly forward slash UVC discernment, um, and you can uh, get yourself signed up for that. So that's one piece. And then next week, as Kate mentioned, uh, beginning on January 14th, uh, we're inviting people to participate in a church-wide fast. Now, we're suggesting what is known as the Daniel Fast as a format. Uh, this is a 21-day fast, which is about eliminating rich foods from your diet, focusing on simple grains and vegetables. And just as an aside, because I got some flack about this from a friend, colleague of mine, the Daniel Fast is not actually all that biblical. So I'm just going to like say that up front. Or it's like biblical in the loosest sense, right? You got like three lines of scripture and you're going to like make a whole thing out of it, right? So it's, it's biblical-ish, right? So there are some real and legitimate critiques that could be made about the Daniel Fast and other kind of Christian fads that are sort of like it. Things like food fast can also get like weirdly wrapped up in like our dieting culture, which is problematic, right? And get commodified and commercialized in ways that, in fact, actually, uh, to the neoliberal capitalist uh, statement that Larry made earlier, goes against the values that God outlines through Scripture. Now that I have like completely torn that down, right? Now I'm going to say like all that to say that this fast is a template, right, to help us start somewhere for various life or mental health reasons a food fast might not be the right thing for you and that's totally fine too so then in that case i'd suggest exploring other possibilities what is it what is it that you can do to disrupt your patterns of behavior and position yourself in ways to hear god's voice that's the point right so we're using that as a template you can use something else um, but it's a place to start so that's the other, fasting. Um, and then finally, toward the end of the month, there will be a four-week small group if you kind of want to continue this conversation about discernment that you can participate in. This is a way to grow in cultivating um, in community practices of discernment. But one of my favorite theological frameworks is the idea of God's economy. In God's economy, nothing is wasted. I just love that idea. God can turn any of our decisions, good, bad, or mediocre, in service to God's purposes in the world. So don't, this, this frees us up again from that should mindset, right? It, but, and, and this doesn't get us off the hook from pursuing our most faithful decisions, and it doesn't mean that people don't get hurt if we make harmful decisions, but um, it does invite us to act from a space of faithful could, right? Rather than a fearful should, or getting paralyzed. More often than not, the times that I have heard the Spirit guide me, it's been through no's more than yeses, which means most of the time I don't hear all that much, except for when God is saying, like, do not do that, right? Um, and that can be, like, really frustrating because I like a little bit more direction than that, personally. But when I remember God's economy, I'm reminded that every decision I make, large or small, good or bad, if I'm making it as faithfully as I can, I can rest 
in the knowledge that God is going to use that, right? God continues to journey with us as we do our discernment work and live out our lives and seeks to reach out to us and guide us by the Holy Spirit. Whether she shows up like a mighty rushing wind or a still small voice, she will show up, but it's on us to be ready to position ourselves, to be ready to hear and receive her when she comes, even if it is on Holy Spirit time. Let's pray. God, we are grateful that you give us your spirit to guide us, to remind us that we are not alone in the work that we do. We thank you for all of the resources that you have gifted to us, the stories that we share in our own lives with one another, scripture, the traditions that we are, have access to, so many things that help us get a better sense of where you are. And yet, God, for all of those resources, we know that they can only take us so far if we do not position ourselves to receive the guidance that you have for us. And so I pray that over these next few weeks, over this next month, as we grapple with the questions that our church as a whole has to engage in around our staff restructure and more, as we grapple with our personal decisions, that you would help us to engage and take on disciplines that open ourselves to the leading and guidance of your spirit. We thank you, God that you invite us to be artists with you, co-creators, rather than just people who aimlessly go about our lives, responding to the thing that's right in front of us. We are grateful for partnership with you in all the ways that it shows up. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.